Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Episode 62, Talking About Your Parents' Finances with Cameron Huddleston. Welcome to the Frugal Friends Podcast, where you'll learn to save money, embrace simplicity, and live a richer life. Here are your hosts, Jen and Jill. Having the tough conversations. Welcome. <laughs> yes. Welcome to another episode of the Frugal Friends Podcast. My name is Jen. Hey, hey, I'm Jill. And I am really excited uh, to share this episode with you guys. Yeah, this, we are. this is a jam packed interview. And I have, it's been a really long time since I've been like this passionate about an episode that we've done. But I really think this is one you should listen all the way through. You should share it with your friends, Mm -hmm. your family. Mm -hmm. It's really that important. It's so crucial. And we said at the end of even interviewing Cameron that we think that this one will be a call to action for a lot of people. And that's what we hope because it's important and we care about you all. (laughs) Right. So there's a lot of reasons to be excited, but it does feel, it feels very pivotal for folks in this financial journey. Probably one of the most important conversations to be having. So, yeah. So today we're talking with Cameron Huddleston, the author, an award-winning financial journalist, but author of Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, uh, How to Have Essential Conversations with Your Parents About Their Finances. So it is the most important, awkward conversation that you will have, even more important than that like DTR you had uh, with your boyfriend or girlfriend. It's so crucial because this is something that I went through a few years back with my mom and we didn't we didn't get to have this these conversations before we were in crisis mode and I thought I was an isolated event I thought people didn't have to have these conversations this early cuz I was 27 and and so I didn't really think that other people needed to like be educated on this and then as I talked to other friends like I realized I wasn't the only person in my 20s or early 30s that was coming to terms with their parents' financial decisions, whether that was negatively or positively. Sometimes it was really stressful, and other times it took a huge weight off of their shoulders. This book that Cameron's written that is out now is is this essential guidebook to these conversations. And I love that it's opening the doors for these tough things, that that there's a 
an awareness, a growing awareness of all these financial topics that are becoming less and less taboo the more and more we talk about it. So just so many good things. So happy to be in this space with Mm -hmm. you all right now. Yes. So before we jump into uh, this amazing interview, a word from our sponsors. Also brought to you by Rolls. They're excellent when they involve bread or laughter, but not when they involve steam. So don't steamroll in conversations or with finances. Instead, slow your roll. Grab some butter and eat a roll. Then get on a roll with achieving your financial goals. Rolls. Oh, when this... Best with bread. (laughs) When this episode comes out, I'll be pinching my little baby's rolls. Oh, yes. You always come up with ones after I after I say these sponsors you you just have more you give me the good ideas and then (laughs) that's how I come up with them you just you put me on a roll pinch those baby rolls (laughs) whatever you do just don't steamroll yes just don't steamroll and (laughs) we make a big a big emphasis on not steamrolling in this interview and so even if you think that you know what you'll be doing with your parents' finances. Like we had a lot of response to this in our Frugal Friends community group on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Some people were more than happy to support their parents. Um, Some people knew they wouldn't have to, but nobody ever referenced having a conversation about actually knowing for sure what Mm -hmm. they were doing. Mm -hmm. And so we're very excited to... um, incite some of these awkward conversations. Mm, You know, we love to get into the weeds. Yes. And have all the awkwardness. Yes. So without further ado, here is our interview with Cameron Huddleston, author of Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk. Mm. Cameron Huddleston, thank you so much for joining us on the Frugal Friends podcast We're super, super excited to have you here. I am so excited to be here. Welcome, welcome. This is a topic that I'm super passionate about personally, and I reached out to you as soon as I could to try and get you on here so that you could share all your wisdom about it. Because when I was going through having to deal with my mom's finances, I really thought I was alone. I, I thought it was like I was an anomaly. And to hear that it's a bigger issue, it's a bigger like topic than I had ever imagined was was comforting. And uh, you share so much wisdom on the subject. So yeah, I'm excited to dive into all the things that you talk about in your book and all of your personal experiences. Mm-hmm. I'm I am super excited to talk about it. And you know, Jen, you you're not alone because. I felt the same way 10 years ago when my mother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and none of my friends at the time had parents who were in that sort of situation. I mean, 35 is pretty young. My mother was 65 and Mm. that is still a relatively young age to be diagnosed Mm. with dementia, with Alzheimer's. And I felt alone. And I, Mm -hmm. I know, even though my situation is different from yours, I know what it's like to feel like you're the only one who's going through it. You don't have any friends to turn to for help. And that's a big reason why I wrote this book is because I had to figure these things out on my own. And then as the years went on and my friends started coming to me, 
because they were getting older, their parents were getting older, they were starting to go through some of the same issues I had already gone through. Mm. I had been there, I had done that, they were Mm -hmm. asking me for help. And I realized, you know, people don't need to go through this alone. I have learned and gained all this wisdom and I need to be sharing it with people so that they don't have to make the same mistakes I made. And I did make mistakes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I want to start out by asking like the preeminent question, why should we start these awkward conversations any earlier than we have to? Because they are (laughs) awkward. Uh (laughs) Exactly. Why, why in the world would you want to ask your parents about their finances? I mean, that, that as far as awkward conversations go, I mean, that ranks right up there with like the birds and the bees talk that you have to have with your kids (laughs) or that you had, (laughs) that you had with your parents all those years ago. And when you think about it, you're still scarred from it. Like, Oh, it's so awful. (laughs) And, And now, and now I'm supposed to talk to them about their money. I mean, give me a break. This is like something I don't want to ever have to do. This is next level. Let me just focus on paying off my debt. I thought that was difficult, but now that's looking real easy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I will tell you though, as scary as this conversation seems, the consequences of not having the conversation are even scarier Mm. because it will be so much more difficult once you actually do have to get involved with your parents' finances, and you will. You will one way or the other. If you have not had these conversations, if you have not planned, and suddenly there is an emergency, a health emergency, a financial emergency, and you have to step in and help, and there haven't been these conversations, emotions are running high, everyone's stressed out already, and when you throw finances into the mix, it just makes it that much more difficult. Mm-hmm. Having these conversations sooner rather than later, they can be hypothetical scenarios you're talking about. Mom and dad, what if this happens? What if you need long-term care? What if there is a health emergency and you're in the hospital and you're not able to make financial or healthcare decisions on your own? What can I do to help? What can I do, you know, down the road as you age to help you if you need to transition from the house you're living in to, you know, someplace else that suits your needs better? What can I do if you're, you've run into financial issues in retirement? All of these things, if you're talking about them early, these are all hypothetical situations. And it's so much easier because it's a what if, not a, oh my gosh, this has happened. Now, how do we deal with it? And the thing about having these conversations sooner rather than later is you have more options. Mm -hmm. If you wait until there already is an emergency, the biggest issue you run into is your lack of legal options because, and I don't want to get too technical here. And so I'm going to try to explain this as simply as I can, but there are a couple of very important legal documents. And I know a lot of people think about the will, you know, do your parents have a will, which is certainly a very important question to ask and something you want to make sure they have so that, you know, when they, when they do die, and there's no question about that, we all do die, you know, you want to make sure they have their wishes in writing. But even more important than the will is the power of attorney document and the advanced healthcare directive. It's often called a living will too. These documents have to be signed while you are still competent. So if there is any sort of medical emergency or if there's dementia and you are no longer competent to sign those documents, they cannot be drafted and you 
Your siblings will not be able to make financial or healthcare decisions for your parents if they haven't named you a power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney. And then what you have to do is you have to go to court. You have to spend tens of thousands of dollars sometimes to go through the legal process to get conservatorship for your parents. And then once you're named a conservator, which isn't easy, then you have to file reports with the court every single year, letting them know how you spent your parents' money, you know, to care for them and that sort of thing. Um, I did interview someone for my book who went through this process. He did spend $10,000, had to get a neuropsychiatrist to testify in court that his father was no longer competent. It was a very difficult, stressful experience, took months to go through it. This is just not a situation you want to be in. And so this is one of the very, very important reasons why these conversations have to happen sooner rather than later. And it's one of the first things I did with my mother when I realized she was starting to have some issues with her memory. I said, mom, we've got to go meet with an attorney and update your documents. And fortunately, she was still competent enough to sign them. And if she had not named me power of attorney and healthcare power of attorney, I wouldn't have been able to step in and help manage her finances as her memory declined. Wow. Yeah. You are the reason I got um, the power of attorney and living will signed with my mom and notarized. And it was so awkward. Um, But I got to use the excuse that I was pregnant. And so I forgot to tell her what it was we were actually doing when we were getting the documents notarized. (laughs) Oh, my and in my and I mean, I actually thought that I did tell her what we were doing. Um, and then she realized like not until we were there doing it did she realize what they were. So But did she push use- back? Like when you were there, did she say, you know, I'm glad we did this? Or was she a little bit angry about the situation? How did she respond? She wasn't angry. She was just confused because she had to do it with her mom, but her mom was a lot older. So she just assumed we would be, we would both be a lot older when we did these things. And I guess like I assumed that too, but like you don't get to pick when you're going to need these things. Mm. So the sooner you do it, the better. Mm. And so I put it off for a while and then finally did it. Mm-hmm. So if you're, if you're pregnant and you got pregnancy brain, that's a great time to get this stuff done. <laughs> a lot of excuses, you know, a lot I, of leeway. I think too, that younger people, like people who are in their twenties and thirties who think it's too soon to have this conversation because their parents are still relatively young. You are in such a good situation to start these conversations because you are starting out. You can go to your parents and make it look like you're asking for advice because that's what parents love to do. They love to give their kids advice. I mean, me in my mid forties, you know, it would seem kind of silly to go to my parents and say, you know, Hey mom and dad, can you give me advice on this? Because, you know, I'm midway through my life at this point, but when you're starting out, Hey mom and dad, I'm, you know, I'm getting ready to have my first kid and I'd love to know what sort of legal documents do I need? Do I need to have a will at this point in my life? Do I need to have a power of attorney, a living will, life insurance? Do I need that? If your parents look at you with a blank stare, then you know right there something is up, that they haven't done (laughs) these things themselves. If they start to give you advice, oh, yeah, you definitely need a will. We got a will, you know, the day after you were born. We got the power of attorney document signed. We got the life insurance. Now you have a little bit of a peace of mind. 
because you know that your parents have taken these steps. But if they give you that blank stare, this opens the door to more conversations. And it looks like you've simply gone to them asking for advice. Not, And I really think it removes some of that awkwardness from the conversation mm-hmm. because you are in such a good position at your age and this point in your life to ask them for their advice and kind of ease into the conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cameron, I love the grace with which you're bringing this really heavy topic. And I think part of the reason that we can be so opposed to beginning these conversations is because it is highlighting death, that we all will die at some point. And it's that beginning of switching over roles, not entirely, right? Like our parents will always be our parents, but starting to switch that from you were caring for me and soon I'm going to be caring for you. And I feel like it's one of those conversations that starts to switch that which can be scary because then we are acknowledging that death is going to happen and we are acknowledging that responsibility is going to need to happen and switch over. So with all that surrounds this conversation, what are some ways that we can approach it with love and respect and and dignity for our parents in this? I think you highlighted something very important because for a lot of parents and for children, these conversations do touch on our mortality Mm -hmm. and it's a lot of, it's very difficult for a lot of kids to even get their heads around the idea that mom and dad will no longer be there. And so it can make it difficult for us. And of course for the parents too, because they don't want to have to think about aging. And the most important thing is to be aware of these feelings as you're going into these conversations, you need to be, super empathetic. And I think the first thing you do before you even try to start the conversation is pinpoint some of the reasons your parents might be reluctant to have the conversation. You know, if, if, you've, if you're in a family where perhaps you've heard your parents tiptoe around the topic of death, you know that maybe you don't want to take that sort of approach. You might not want to approach it as, hey, mom and dad, let's talk about your will or your final wishes, because that might be scary to them. If money is a taboo topic, then you don't want to necessarily make the conversation about money. You want to perhaps look at bigger picture issues. Hey, mom and dad, do you ever think about retirement? You know, what your retirement might be like for you down the road? Just keep it very general. If, If they are reluctant to think about the role reversal, Mm-hmm. their children having to care for them, then you probably don't want to start the conversation with a discussion about long-term care. So I would say first identify what they might be afraid of mm-hmm. when it comes to this conversation so that you can get in touch with those fears and start the conversation in a way that you're not necessarily addressing those particular fears. You know, don't talk about the long-term care if they don't want to talk, think about role reversal. Don't talk about wills if they're afraid to talk about death. If they don't like talking about money, try to talk about something a little bit more general so that you can initially not put them on the defensive. My favorite part about spring cleaning is that post-clean clarity when I'm like, wow, I can finally think clearly. How was I functioning in that mess before? 
It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. If this sounds like the type of spring cleaning your finances need right now, then it's time to switch to Mint Mobile and get unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Plus, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash frugal. That's mintmobile.com slash frugal. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash frugal. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month, New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Now that I have kids, I'm hyper aware of the information I put online. But unfortunately, there's only so much I can do. Our personal information is everywhere on the internet, and I don't have time to monitor and take it off every website. That's why I personally use Delete Me. Delete.me is a service that finds and removes any personal information from hundreds of data broker websites and makes sure it stays off. Delete.me isn't just a one-time service. It's always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you don't want on the internet. I signed up, completed a questionnaire, and they took it from there, submitting opt-out requests to data broker sites and keeping my personal info private. To take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete.me. Now, at a special discount for our listeners, today get 20% off your Delete.me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash frugal and use promo code FRUGAL at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash FRUGAL and enter code FRUGAL at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash FRUGAL, code FRUGAL. Mm-hmm. It took me years to figure that out. And I it just recently clicked because I got on this kick when we started paying off debt and I was like obsessed with finances. And so I was talking about... 401ks and IRAs and retirement and like all the numbers, which really scared my mom. And when I finally just asked like a neutral question, like, like, what's your, I mean, what do you think of when you think about retirement? Like, and it just like very simple. I got the answer that I'd really been looking for this whole time. (laughs) time. (laughs) And yeah, so just asking not like, don't use any like fear triggers. Just mm-hmm. be as like super as, invasive questions. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that comes with knowing your parents. If they don't, if if they're not the type who are gonna know or have 401ks, that's gonna bring up a wall for them to be like, what? What do I need to have? What are you expecting mm-hmm. me to have? Right. Just think about when you were a little bit younger, you know, and and you know you've done something wrong. You know, and you come home late at night and your parents are like, where have you been? Immediately, your defenses are up. Oh my gosh, I told you, mom and dad, I was with my friends mm-hmm. and we were mm-hmm. at the movies, you know, and suddenly you're pushing back because you're on the defensive. And so, like you said, you don't you don't want to approach this conversation by inciting any fears in your parents. You want to be cautious. You want to be very empathetic. You want to be loving Certainly, you don't want to be condescending. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, younger adults who are still in that position where they can ask for advice, they might be less likely to you know, turn on the condescending language. Older adults who are having this conversation, 
you know, as their parents have already started to age and perhaps have had some decline in ability, you know, they might be looking to mom and dad as, oh my gosh, look at them. They can't manage their finances anymore. They're getting calls from scammers and they're following them, falling for them. And so immediately they're going into these conversations like, you know, mom and dad, I see you making a lot of mistakes. And that's the last thing you want to do. And so just being very respectful. I appreciate that, Cameron. And it's occurring to me that particularly for those in the 20 to 30 range, you know, in their in our 20s and 30s, that your parents are probably in the middle point right now if your grandparents are still alive or if their parents are still alive. And so that could even be a nice bridge to have these conversations because you see what they're doing for their own parents, some of the pitfalls that are happening, maybe some of the successes. And that could, if that is happening in your situation, that could be a good bridge to say, hey, I see all that you're doing with grandmom or grandpa and it's making me think about how I'm going to be caring for you. Like, what are your hopes? This is what we did for grandma. What are you, what are you going to want? Like soon I, I'm going to be in your, not, not soon, someday, someday <laughs> I'm going to be in that position. So that could be a nice way to, to open that door. It's a wonderful way. Using any sort of life event is a great way. And like, mm. just like you said, I see what you're going through with grandma, or I see what you're going through with grandpa, because Ameriprise actually did a survey of baby boomers who Mm. were helping out their parents, but a large percentage of them hadn't had conversations with their own children about their Mm. finances. They were right in the middle of it, helping out their parents with their finances, but they hadn't gotten around to having these conversations with their kids. And so probably because they're exhausted. <laughs> I just did this for them. I'm not. We don't need to go yep. there. <laughs> you know, and that's the thing. Your parents might not be opposed to having this conversation. They just haven't gotten around to having it with you. I talked to financial planners for my book and they said a lot of their older clients want to have these conversations And they feel a little bit awkward about it too. They're just waiting for you to ask. And so you Mm -hmm. need to get up the courage to ask. And you have Mm -hmm. to remember this. These are your parents. They love you. They are not going to stop loving you just because you've asked them to share some information about their finances. They might find it a little bit awkward. They, they, They might be reluctant to talk initially. And that's why you have to do this sooner rather than later. And as Jen can attest to this, it can take time. It might Mm -hmm. take you years Mm -hmm. to get them to open up. So the sooner you start laying the groundwork, the better it's going to be. If you're waiting until your parents are already much older and having issues, you're running out of time. You're running out of time to take action and get those legal documents in place and to make a plan and most importantly, to safeguard your own finances because your parents might never open up. There are some parents who are so opposed to discussing their finances, they might never want to share any information with you. And if you can see that is going to be the case and you can see that perhaps your parents are struggling, then you might want to start taking steps to prepare your own finances for the day when you might have to step in and help. Or you might have to start preparing yourself emotionally for telling them, no, I'm sorry. I cannot help you. It's just not within my own financial means to support you because I have my own family to support. And so again, the sooner you have these conversations or try to have these conversations, the more prepared you will be. 
Mm. It's also occurring to me, even utilizing things like this podcast, right? Usually if you can have a book or something to listen to that gives mm-hmm. common ground, like I I now know, thanks, thanks a whole lot, Jen and Cameron, for this interview. <laughs> My parents listen to this podcast and they're probably going to be like, okay, when is Jill going to um, approach us about a living will and being a power of attorney? <laughs> Just a sneak peek to what's coming up yeah, in their lives. In, in the life of Jill, this is going to force my hand, which is great. It's fantastic. (laughs) Yeah, but it could also be a good tool of, hey, I was just listening to this podcast or Uh let's let's listen or let's read this book together. What are your thoughts? Any kind of way to start the conversation. Yes. A Mm -hmm. story is such a good way. So asking your parents for advice, using a life event, a story, a story works so well. I heard this podcast. I heard an interview on the radio. I read an article. I have a friend at work whose mother has dementia and she had to stop working mm-hmm. and care for her mm-hmm. mother because they didn't have any sort of long-term care plan. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad, I'd love to talk with you about what sort of long-term care planning you've done because I don't think I can stop working. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to help you and I want to make sure you get the care you need, but I don't think I can afford to stop working or maybe I can't afford to stop working, but we need to start planning now how to make that possible. So a Mm -hmm. story is, is great. I know a lot of people do use stories to get the conversation started because you're highlighting an experience that someone else has had and you don't want to you know, you don't want to come at them with a lot of negative stories. You might want to use one as an example. Hey, this is what happened to someone who did not have these conversations soon enough. They had to go to court to get conservatorship. You know, if, if you keep coming at them with negative stories, you, that's, that's, you know. <laughs> it could shut down the conversation. It could shut down the conversation. Oh my gosh, stop it with all these scary stories. I've had enough of it. Um, <laughs> well, then sign this paper. <laughs> the notary's here right now. <laughs> um, you know, one, one, one at most, you know, try to keep the conversation positive, but the stories are such a great way to start these conversations. Mm-hmm. And I think you said something even before we started recording about not assuming either. I think that's Mm -hmm. something that we see often just in our, within our frugal community, Facebook or otherwise, of we think we know what's going on with our parents' finances because either we see that they are acting in frugal ways or we see that they are paying for our vacations, but... It may not like that. That may there that may be present for other reasons than our own assumptions. And yeah, you had some great points to make about that even before we started recording. Well, if your parents are paying for your vacations, are paying for your student loans, are paying for your cell phone, don't assume that they're doing well mm-hmm. financially. Because, mm-hmm. and I just saw this. There was a, a survey recently, and it found that. Gen Xers and baby boomers are spending billions of dollars a year helping to support their adult children. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the spending is putting their own finances, especially their retirement savings at risk. Parents Mm -hmm. want to help their children. Mm -hmm. So just because your parents are helping you doesn't necessarily mean they can afford to. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That was my story. My mom paid my car insurance, my phone bill, 
um, some other things up until I got married. And, and, you know, she said it was, you know, since I didn't save for you for college, I'm going to pay for these other things for you. And I was like, cool, sweet. And then at 27 years old, I found out that her house was getting foreclosed on because she hadn't made mortgage payments in years, in like an uncomfortable number (laughs) of years. And she was getting foreclosed on. And and that was that was my crisis moment mm-hmm. with my mom and her finances and um it was not for lack of trying to get her to open up about what was going on um but she just wouldn't mm-hmm. and i was i was 27 so cameron what do we do in that instance like when one or both of our parents won't open up what are some things we can do there are a couple of things you can do for starters approaching it very carefully coming from a you know position of concern and and not putting them on the defensive you know if you see they're struggling with their finances the last thing you want to do is make them feel ashamed you don't want to say hey mom and dad i see that maybe you're having some problems because then of course they're going to say what are you talking about i'm not having any problems it's none of your business you know you can do perhaps and i know you did this jen Mom, here are some ways I'm saving money on groceries. I'm doing meal planning, Mm -hmm. you know, and I found this has really helped me sharing a tactic that you have used. You know, this has helped me. Maybe you want to try it out because who doesn't want to save money? Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and and they're, I mean, wealthy people want to save money. Hey mom, I found a great way to save money at the grocery store. I found a great way to save money on plane tickets. I found a great way to save money on this and that. Start Mm -hmm. that way. So it's kind of like subversive. It's like, I'm not pointing (laughs) out your problem, but I am telling you how I'm trying to help you with it. Yes. Because I, someone else I interviewed for my book did the same sort of thing, you know, coming to them, not, not being critical but offering help. Hey, mom and dad, do you have your bill set up for automatic bill pay? Oh my gosh, it's so awesome. It's such a lifesaver. I don't have to worry about late payments anymore. Let me show you how to do it. Or do you, have you even, you know, set up online banking? And, and I know, you know, a good chance if you're a millennial, your parents have done this. My mother did not. My mother did not have, she was still writing checks. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. she didn't even have a debit card. <laughs> She was still writing checks, which made it easy for me when I had to step in and start managing her finances because I was able to go online and set up online banking for her and monitor her accounts. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but offering them some tips, getting a third party involved, Mm -hmm. you know, perhaps if your parents are struggling financially, that third party will probably not be an accountant or a financial planner because they can't afford that sort of support. But perhaps you have another family member who has their financial act together and your parents look to that family member as, oh, you know, my sister Sue, she's doing so well. You go to sister Sue, Aunt Sue for you and say, you know, Aunt Susan, I really need help talking to mom. Maybe you could, you know, hint to her that it would be a good idea for her to talk to me because I might have to help her someday. And if she can start having these conversations with me, it'll make things easier down the road. Or perhaps you get um, you know, someone in your place of worship 
Mm. to help facilitate these conversations because parents can be reluctant to talk Mm -hmm. to children. Mm -hmm. So getting Mm -hmm. someone else to step in and suggest that they have these conversations, perhaps Mm -hmm. someone who's done it themselves Mm -hmm. with their own children, they might be more willing to listen. And, you know, again, really just realizing that this could take time. Mm -hmm. They might not want to open up to you Mm -hmm. the first, second, third time, but that doesn't mean you should give up. Mm -hmm. Just keep for different, looking for different ways to kind of bring it into the conversation. Mm -hmm. And you're highlighting some really important things as part of this conversation is that we are communicating a desire to assist and help and concern. It's not coming from this place of you better have it figured out because I don't want no part of that. You better not have work for me (laughs) when I get older. This better not involve, you know, time and energy and responsibility on my part. What you're describing (laughs) is that we're having these conversations, but then it's requiring, hey, let me help you with that. Let let me show you how to do bill pay. I want to be your power of attorney because I'm go- I'm in it for the long haul. I want to help. You can't be power of attorney mm-hmm. and not have responsibility then and work to do. So I think that's that's a fantastic thing in that. But yeah, also just saying that I I want to support you in this process. So I think and that that there's responsibility and onus on me too that I can't come to you and be saying all these things if I'm if it's only to switch the focus off of me. I can't come to you and say, here, let me help you if I don't know what those money-saving tips are or I'm or I'm not responsible to be your POA. So there's a lot of other things, it sounds like, connected to this and what you're saying, Cameron. Yes, and if you do not have a good relationship with your parents, but perhaps your brother or sister does, mm-hmm. You might not be the person to have the conversation. And this is why it's so important Mm -hmm. to talk to your siblings before you even talk to your parents, Mm. because all of you need to get on the same page. You need to figure out what roles you're going to play as your parents age, who is going to have the conversation with mom and dad, whether you all want to be there together, whether it should just be one of you. And then, you know, going forward, how active does each of you want to be in your parents' financial lives? And so certainly you should be having these conversations with your siblings before you even talk to mom and dad, because like I said, you might not be the right person for the job. You might have a younger brother who's closer to mom and dad, or you might have an older sister who's more comfortable with money than you are Mm -hmm. and will be more comfortable having these conversations and stepping into these roles. But because you happen to be the one who's listening to this podcast right now, <laughs> you know, and your older sister is not, you might have to be the one to go to her and say, hey, I just heard this podcast. I think we need to talk to mom and dad, but I'm not sure I'm the right person to do this. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about having this conversation? Mm-hmm. And she might not have ever thought of it, mm-hmm. but now she's saying, oh my gosh, you're right. We do need to talk to mom and dad about this. Yeah. So speaking of quote unquote, the conversation what are some of the important information that we need to be gathering from our parents or talking about? The first and most important thing you need to find out really is do your parents have those essential legal documents? The will, the power of attorney, the advanced healthcare directive. Because, and especially with the power of attorney and the living will or advanced healthcare directive, as I mentioned, you have to be competent to sign those documents. And so if there's already been a health issue, 
it can be too late. And so you want to find out whether you, whether your parents had those documents, Mm -hmm. then you can kind of work from there. And sometimes suggesting that they meet with an attorney to draft those documents. You can even suggest, and I know someone who did this, that you all go in together, mom and dad, Mm -hmm. you know, I just got married or I'm having a child. Why don't we all meet with an attorney together? Then we can all, you know, I would like to name you as my power of attorney. And if you'd like to name me as power of attorney, I'm going to know, we're going to know which roles we want each other to play, sit down and do it together. When I met with an attorney with my mother, because my mom was starting to have some issues, the attorney was so helpful, really encouraging other conversations. She told us that we needed to go to the bank. Mm-hmm. So that I could get onto my mom's account as her representative payee. We talked about some other issues as far as long-term care. So you want to find out first whether they have those documents. You know, another thing you might want to find out just in general, how they're doing financially. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to say, mom and dad, are you struggling to pay the bills? But, you know, mom, how does your retirement look? Just that general question might give you a lot of insight into where they stand financially. Well, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to retire. You know, I, I don't have a pension and I haven't been able to save much for retirement. Then you can start to have some conversations about that. You could, you know, talk about very general things too. How do you pay your bills? If something were to happen to you and I need to make sure that your bills are getting paid because you're in the hospital because of a health crisis, are your bills set up to be paid automatically? Or do you write checks? Okay, so if you have to write checks and you're not able to write those checks, I need to be able to write them for you. The only way I can do that is if I'm your power of attorney. So a lot of these conversations kind of, you know, a lot of these issues are all linked together. Mm -hmm. So, you know, talking about the bills, the, the legal documents, you know, what do you expect of your retirement? And then you can kind of ask for more details as you go along. You want to find out, what sort of insurance policies they have, what sort of debt they have, you know, what sort of, you know, credit card bills they have, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily have to ask them to spill all their guts to you. Mm -hmm. You can ask them to write it down for you, make a list of all their accounts Mm -hmm. and they don't have to hand it to you. I actually, I created this document that people can get from my website, CameronHuddleston.com and it's, you can print it out. You can give it to your parents and you can say, mom and dad, please fill this out with all your account information. I mean, it gets down to final wishes and everything. Mm-hmm. Store it someplace safe and tell me how to access it if I ever need it. Mm-hmm. Because your parents are probably going to be reluctant to give you, great. you know, here's my password to my bank account. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how yeah. much they trust you, they might not want you. I know some parents who do, and every six months they give their kids an updated spreadsheet with all that information. But those parents wow. are rare. Yeah. Yes, those yeah. parents yeah. are rare, but they yeah, they do exist. But you know, give them the form to fill out, tell them to put it someplace safe, and have them tell you where to access it in case you need to. That's good. Yeah, and and to recognize awesome. even that some of this is getting into the weeds of relationships too of you know we're talking about how to handle things if there's a whole bunch of health in the family but 
a lot of times bringing up that conversation might bring up arguments between mom and dad or issues because they're not talking about it within their marriage relationship. And so I think some of these other tips are so helpful to say, okay, this conversation still matters, but we can value where each person is at in this. And if it just means at least having a document that's hidden somewhere, great. That's a step. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. Exactly. And it is, you're right. It could bring up other issues because your parents might not be communicating with each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, certainly if your parents can afford it, you know, you might suggest that they meet with a financial planner or an accountant, someone who can help them make a plan for their finances going forward. And the thing is, people need to understand that getting professional help is not as expensive as you might think. There are plenty of financial planners out there who charge on an hourly basis. So you might not have to, you know, spend thousands of dollars and create a long-term relationship with a financial planner. You can have just a couple of meetings Mm -hmm. to go over Mm -hmm. your budget and develop a very basic retirement savings plan or, or a retirement spending plan. And so you know, encouraging your parents, perhaps it's something you've done. Maybe you met with a financial planner and you could say, hey, mom and dad, I met with this man or this woman who was helping me get my finances in order and it has been so wonderful. Would you like me to give you his or her name? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And they might Mm -hmm. say, oh yeah, sure. That sounds great. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's a corporate benefit. Like you get like an hour with with their, you know, 401k advisor person. Yes. I've seen yes. that before. More and more companies are offering that and a lot of employees don't take advantage of it. Yeah. This is a Mary great Cameron, way. So much rich content. And speaking of rich content and things that we love, I think it's that time of the week, Jen. Yeah. It's it's time for a brief break where we where we go into the, the bill of the, the week. week. time for the best minute of your entire week. Maybe a baby was born and his name is William. Maybe you paid off your mortgage. Maybe your car died and you're happy to not have to pay that bill anymore. Duck bills, buffalo bills, Bill Clinton. This is the bill of the week. Cameron, every week we invite a listener or our guest to give us their favorite bill, whether that be a monetary bill that you've lowered or paid off, a guy named Bill, a pet named Bill, a bill you found on the street um, that may be a dollar or maybe somebody else's bill. I don't know. (laughs) So we have invited you to share your bill of the week with us and uh, we'd love to know what you got. Okay. I feel like I'm coughing out a little bit here, but this is my favorite bill. Any bill that is paid automatically. Yeah. Like I <laughs> I am such a huge fan yes. of automatic bill pay because if it comes to me in the mail, in paper form, it's gonna sit on my desk and it's gonna languish there until it's almost too late, or maybe it is too late. And then the second bill has arrived. I mean, really, I most of my bills are set up for automatic bill pay. It's those medical bills, the ones that you don't <laughs> expect that come in. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to pay. <laughs> you mean like this one that I'm holding oh, wait, up right oh, here? Oh wait, I think right I have one here. of those. It looks just like that. 
<laughs> and I gave it to my husband yeah. last night and I said, have you paid this bill yet? <laughs> yeah, We're yes. not used to oh, it anymore. I, I mean, who even sends mail these days <laughs> other than Amazon right? prime? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I do. And, you know, unfortunately, um, a lot of those bills are related to my mother because, you know, I've set up some things for automatic bill pay for her, but unfortunately her assisted living facility, they don't do, they don't do automatic bill pay. And so I have to send in a check and, mm. you know, it's oh always, goodness. it's always the first of the month and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got to pay the bill. And it's a big, important bill. And I'm always, you know, like, oh gosh, I've forgotten to pay this bill. So my favorite bills are the ones that are paid automatically because I don't have to remember to pay them. Mm, yes, that was a great bill. And I can fully, obviously, get behind that. I've had, as all of my pregnancy related bills have been like that, where I just forget until I see it. And I try and keep it right there. So every time I buy my computer, I see it and then you know, I still. Quote unquote. Yes, forget. you shove so. it to the side. You set it on your keyboard the <laughs> yeah. night before. I'm going to get it in the morning. Uh-huh. And then you sit down at your computer and you're like, oh gosh, what's this on my keyboard? Move it away. <laughs> so that's not yes. a cop out yes. bill of the week. We're, we're on board with we you love on that, that one. Yes, <laughs> yes. If you guys have any bills of the week that you want to share with us, please visit frugalfriendspodcast.com slash bill and you can leave us a Google voicemail or a speak pipe and we will share your bill with the rest of the Frugal Friends community and we'll let you know if we can directly relate to it. (laughs) (laughs) Or not most of the time. Usually we can. Yeah. How do I get my partner on board with our finances? It's a top question we get from listeners, and we've realized it's a game changer when there are tools that allow you to work together better, like Monarch. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com frugal. Unlike other personal finance apps, Monarch's simple design makes it so easy to set up and manage your household finances. Plus, they have built-in collaboration features so you can invite your partner at no extra cost. After trying out Monarch myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com frugal. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash frugal for your extended 30-day free trial. Go to monarchmoney.com slash frugal for an extended 30-day free trial. When it comes to ensuring your company has top-notch security practices, things can get complicated fast. Vanta automates compliance for SOC 2, ISO 27001 and more, saving you time and money. With Vanta, you can streamline security reviews by automating questionnaires and demonstrating your security posture with a customer-facing trust center. Over 7,000 global companies like Atlassian, Flow Health, and Quora use Vanta to build trust and prove security in real time. Listeners can claim a special offer of $1,000 off Vanta at vanta.com special. That's V-A-N-T-A dot special for $1,000 off Vanta. All right, it's uh, it's time for Jill's second Ooh, favorite part. Oh, here of the it is—the lightning round. Pew pew. <laughs> <laughs> this is basically the same as the first half, 
but we've given it a name and we might go through it a little bit faster. <laughs> the lightning round, maybe. maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, Cameron, when we see parents blowing through money or not being responsible with it, but they refuse to change, what is something that we can do in that scenario? You certainly don't want to be critical. You, as I said before, might want to suggest some tips, some strategies to help them save money, but frame it as this is something I've done. It's been great. It's helped me save, you know, $100 a month and they might want to listen. But if your parents are going to refuse to listen and you have this sneaking suspicion that their overspending ways might come back to haunt you as they age, like I said, start preparing yourself financially or prepare yourself emotionally for the fact that they might come to you for help and you might not be financially able to provide it. And you might have to say, as difficult as it might be, mom and dad, I'm just not in a position to provide that sort of help for you. Mm -hmm. It was something, when you were talking earlier, I had this thought about not so much if they're like, refusing to change, but like refusing to talk about it. And you see them like blowing through money. I asked my mom what she, like how my grandmother retired and what she thought about her. Because like more often than not, our parents are just going to try and do what our grandparents did. So if you can get an idea and get them talking about somebody else, she was much more receptive to talking about her mom than she was talking Mm -hmm. about her. And I got like better insight on on her. Yeah. I think too, if you know that your parents have struggled dealing with their own parents and gently reminding them of that, Mm. you know, turns that light bulb on. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, you're right. It's been so hard for me helping out my mom, helping out my dad. The last thing I want to do is do the same thing to my kid because surveys have found that an overwhelming majority of parents do not want to be a burden on their kids. Mm -hmm. And so if you can get them to start thinking, perhaps if they feel like their parents have been a burden on them, they might start being a little bit more proactive if they don't want to be that burden on you. Mm -hmm. So this next question, um, I feel some relation to because so my husband is the power of attorney. He's already had some of these conversations with his parents. And so that is the role that he holds in their lives. I foresee myself holding this role in my own parents' lives. So that's like, that's like double. That's, that's like uh, two times, two times the fun. What do they call that? (laughs) Twice as nice. But both of us have siblings. So what are some tips that you might have to engage our siblings and get them involved in this process, particularly if, if we are married to also responsible people? and and it might all fall on us. I think it's so important to, first of all, talk to your siblings. Mm -hmm. You know, so you guys, like I said earlier, can all get on the same page. But if you're going to be the person who's in charge, you still need to keep your siblings in the loop. In part, it's because it's an accountability issue. Mm -hmm. They need to feel that you're being responsible, that you're not hiding anything from them because the last thing you want them to start doing is questioning you and questioning your motives, you know? And, and if you're, if you're super organized, you know, and you're in a position like I am where I'm having to manage my mom's finances now, I mean, you could, 
you know, send a monthly update to your sibling if you want. You know, this is what, you know, this is what I had to pay for for mom this month. Or this is what I had to pay for for dad this month. Mm-hmm. If you're super organized. Mm-hmm. Um, so certainly letting your siblings know what you're doing so that there aren't any questions mm-hmm. ever. But another thing that you can do is maybe you have to be in charge of their finances, but maybe they can help with other things. Mm. Maybe they can help with some of the caregiving. You know, maybe mm. you can say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm going to make sure that mom's medical bills get paid, but it would sure be helpful if you could take her to this medical appointment tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Just trying to divvy up the responsibilities a little bit because usually the, the financial side of things does tend to fall on one sibling. And sometimes it can be the sibling who lives closest to the parent it can be the sibling who has the most financial knowledge. It can be the sibling who is closest emotionally to the parents. I, you know, handle all my mom's finances for her. I do have a sister. She lives miles and miles away from us. So there's just no way that she can be involved. But I'm grateful because we get along mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And the, she's not ever, you know, questioning me, pushing back, which some siblings can do. And so that's why it's so important to be open mm-hmm. about what you're doing with your parents' money if you are involved in helping them with their finances. Yeah. And then for young parents, for us that are not our parents' age yet, how can we start with creating safety for these conversations with our own children? Like where should we, where, when, how do we start? That is such a good question because... As we discussed, there are plenty of parents out there who are helping their parents and they're not having these conversations with their own kids. Mm -hmm. I have been talking to my kids about money since, you know, shortly after they were born. You know, as soon as they were talking, (laughs) we've been talking about money, but that's because I'm a financial journalist and my husband teaches economics. Oh, wow. (laughs) You know, my kids are getting it there. Yeah, they 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 do you know and they hear about it and i don't want them to feel that money is a taboo topic mm-hmm. my middle child came up to me probably about a year ago and she said to me mom why do people think it's so bad to talk about money mm-hmm. because in our family it's not a taboo topic mm-hmm. and so i had to explain to her that you know there's a lot of people feel embarrassment shame around money and so it's very difficult to talk to other people about it because they're embarrassed they make less or they might be embarrassed if they make more and it just gets very awkward so you know I've been talking to my kids since they were young about money about why it's important but why it's not the end-all be-all and I'm you know letting them know that I'm taking steps now so that they're not going to have to support me as they age, you know, I don't want them to have to be my caregiver. I don't, but I've told them, you know, please make sure at least my bills get paid. (laughs) Do do that for me if I ever need that sort of help, but I don't expect you to take me in and let me live with you in your basement. I don't want you to have to be my caregiver. It's a very stressful job and I don't want you to have to be in that position. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've, I've talked to them about end of life issues. Mm -hmm. You know, I've even told them, you know, this is what I want to happen when I die. And so just being very honest with them about money and issues related to money so that they're hopefully going to be financially responsible adults and so that I won't be a financial burden on them. 
Wow, Cameron, so much good information. And I know it's going to cause... I think this is going to be an impetus for a lot of people to start having these conversations, which is so good. Mm -hmm. But there's so much more to be talked about and learned on this topic. So, and I know you've got a wealth of knowledge. So if people want more from you, if this isn't enough, which I imagine it's not enough, (laughs) a 45-minute interview, uh, where can people follow you, get the book? How can they get more? I think the best place that they can go to get more information about me, more information about my book, which is Mom and Dad, We Need to Talk, go to my website, CameronHuddleston.com. You can find more information about me. I've got some other articles. I've got videos. Like I said, I've got downloads that are related to the book. I've got links to buy the book. Mm. I have a special pre-order deal. If you pre-order the book, you can get a conversation starter cheat sheet. So Mm -hmm. yes. I love cheat sheets. (laughs) (laughs) And it's got links to all my, you know, social media pages. So you can find it all there. Awesome. Awesome. Yes, definitely go get this book. It's also got a ton of stories from people. So if you think sharing stories with your parents is going to be helpful, Mm -hmm. the book is chock full of them, including mine. So I might be slightly biased. (laughs) But yeah, thanks so much for coming on, Cameron. We're so glad to have you. Thanks for having me. I had a great time talking about this. Thanks for sharing on this very important topic and for going there. It's so important. And and it it makes it less scary for me. (laughs) So I appreciate it. I hope so. I mean, it, it seems a little bit awkward, but like I said, it's a lot scarier if you don't have these conversations because dealing with the consequences is not going to be easy. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's all that's all I'm going to say. I think I think you're going to say more. Something tells me I you're going to say yeah. more than wow. <laughs> <laughs> I I just really hope that people act on this episode. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's it's hard and people are not going to want to. Like it took me an embarrassingly long time from talking with Cameron initially and um her telling me to get those important legal documents signed mm-hmm. until I actually did it. Mm-hmm. And even then I still had to use like the pregnancy excuse. Like <laughs> there's no if shame all else in it. fails, get pregnant and yes. then have these conversations. <laughs> yes. And yeah, so I just, I really hope because it's going to, like these documents don't expire. Mm-hmm. So even if you don't need them for like decades, it's going to save you a lot of hassle because when you need them, maybe the time you can't get them. Mm -hmm. And that is always with anything like this, when you need it is the time you can't get it. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think being like overly cautious and overly prepared is important in the situation because I wish we had done something different in my story. So yeah, I hope that other people will have a better mm-hmm. financial experience mm-hmm. with their parents. and But I think having the conversation early while awkward, I think she really did a great job of highlighting that there is greater freedom. There's less, yeah, less sense of urgency, more options. It can be less abrasive or sad or, yeah. So there's there's a whole lot of reasons to do it if you can get over that initial hump. Yes. And... 
if you feel like there's already too much in your life, maybe you need to cut down on some things digitally so you can make room for the important stuff. Mm. And so that's why we're reading Digital Minimalism by Cal Newport this month Mm -hmm. for our book club. Still loving this book club. And we are still uh, giving out free copies to those who write us a review. So you can enter to win a free copy of Digital Minimalism. If you leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher, you then would screenshot that review and email it to us at frugalfriendspodcast at gmail.com. And we select one winner for every five reviews submitted to us. And that happens at the end of the month. So review us, send it to us, and look out for the end of the month if you won the book. And if you are looking for a wonderful example of a review just fantastic writing and and literature here then you're going to want to take note of this review from katie drew 13 who i think is in our frugal friends community on facebook hey, i recognize hey. that name <laughs> and it is five stars oh um wow. not Thanks, a requirement katie. yeah but uh it says no bs advice this is a podcast for people who like to save money and like to save money is in all caps I am one of those people. Also, I do not feel so alone or shamed throughout my working at getting out of debt stage of life right now. Mm. I mean, Jen and Jill did it, so I can do it. Also, thank you for not uh, having this be explicit. I'm all for swear words, but it's nice to know I can blast this podcast from anywhere and not offend anyone. Mm. Thank you for your hard work, Jen and Jill. I highly recommend this podcast. Nice. Thanks, Katie. Yeah. Yeah. And you're welcome for our filters. You know, without without that, we would be just swearing so much. I know. Sometimes we have to edit out Jill's swear words. <laughs> um, but it's... We're mostly joking, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, thanks so much for listening, guys. We had to filter through another review that said one of us was snarky and unlikable and we couldn't figure out which one it was so we just think it's both of us (laughs) i'll take the blame though this is jill over here if i'm the snarky unlikable one um let me know because you know jen's about to raise a child and she needs to walk into that like with a pure conscience and just knowing how she comes off to people so um. but i've i feel equally snarky so We'll see. If you're listening and you left that review, you're probably not listening, but you know let's what know. though? Our track record shows that people leave us bad reviews, yeah. but they they stay on. They stick yeah. with us. So So if that's you, we will see you next week. <laughs> I'll be here just being unlikable and snarky. And we'll be here trying to give you as much frugal content as possible. So See you later, guys. Bye. Frugal Friends is produced, edited, and mixed by Eric Siriani. (laughs) To me, it's like it's not even really an insult, right? I really think it's me. That's so funny because I really feel like it's me. But you know. (sighs) 
either way, that's great because we'll, we're yeah. both willing to be the scapegoats and take the blame. But that also shows that <laughs> neither one of us, maybe maybe it is both of us. Because, maybe it is. Because there's maybe like a sense of pride in that of like, that's fine. That's not insulting. I want to be snarky yeah. and unlikable. <laughs> And I'm really only offended by the unlikable part. Probably, I thought it yeah. Was, I thought it was slightly snarky, but still likable. Yeah. Snarky's okay. Snarky's yeah. good. Snarky gets you places. Snarky pays yeah. off debt. I mean, yes. To an extent. <laughs> Somehow, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Was that snarky? <laughs> <laughs> You're being so snarky right now. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm so pregnant. When will we get to the point where we don't, like, we... We're we're a little bit shooting ourselves in the foot by reading these reviews because we do then read the ones that tell us that we're unlikable. Mm-hmm. Like, when do we it's, get to the point? Because, right, there's so many people who are like, I don't read what people write about me. And yeah. that's how they get through. Apparently, we're getting through by reading it and then talking about it on the podcast. What what it, What's yeah. happening to us? I just hope people don't leave us bad like reviews just to get mentioned at some point. <laughs> yeah. Like how low can I go? Cause I know that they'll talk about it. <laughs> Send that to us in email form. Send then us a it, horrible review with five stars. Down. Yeah. 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 We'll, yeah, yeah. we'll read it. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And yeah. Keep our ratings up and then the say worse, your nasty the better. things. Oh my gosh, please. <laughs> I would love to read that actually. I would love to. And then, you know what? Like, rise up with it. Just call (laughs) us out. Say Jill's the unlikable one. Jen's the snarky one. Just, like, don't leave us guessing. (laughs) Yeah, please. And if you can't remember who is who, because we do have similar similar voices, you know, because we're females. Um, (laughs) And we all sound like valley girls. Yeah, just go back to the beginning of the episode, every episode where we introduce ourselves. Mm-hmm. Timon's Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those, too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings.